I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, and this is a special podcast exclusive of the program. I'm delighted to welcome back to our show Chewbacca Hutchings, jazz impresario, saxophonist extraordinaire. Uh, I'm sorry that we can't be with you in person upon the release of your newest album. Congratulations, and I hope you are staying saying, uh, safe and well, Chewbacca. Uh, thank you. I am doing well. It's great to, to talk to you again. Uh, Shabaka's newest album, We Are Sent Here by History, uh, is available wherever you may download music. Um, and of course, it's stunningly extravagant and uh, soulful in, in, in every sense. Um, what were you trying to accomplish with this album, which is the um, newest release from you and, and your colleagues who are part of the group, um, Shabaka and the Ancestors? Um, I think above everything, we were trying to really show how the group has evolved as a collective. And this is actually outside of the messages in the album itself. We were just trying to show how, you know, the process of us playing together and hanging out and actually sharing experiences um, throughout the three years that has elapsed between the first album and this one. We wanted to just show how we've matured as a group and as individuals. And how did you mature? <laughs> um, I think even though we've got like, you know, like a real kind of distant space between us, because obviously I'm on the road all the time and I'm based in London, whereas the musicians, the other guys are based in, in South Africa. We do have this kind of collective sense of what music is supposed to be, like how the intensity is supposed to flow between us and actually how we, you know, we've got a similar work ethic when it comes to getting in the studio and really trying to, like raise the spirits, really trying to get uh, the kind of attitude and the energy up. One of the other remarkable things about your group is that it really is cosmopolitan and transnational in its in scope um, coming from around the world. And the album is being released at a time historically where there is a feeling of, of trauma. Uh, destiny, yes, but trauma about how we may if we can overcome this pandemic crisis that's sparked around the world. How has that impacted you, Shabaka, and each member of the Ancestors? Well, I think this is actually something that we're, we're actually trying to, to figure out. You know, this is part of the trauma. Part of the trauma and the healing is figuring out how we've been, how, we, how the trauma has manifested itself in us. Um, you know, for me, it's like every week that I'm at home in lockdown, it's like I'm figuring out how do I want to to conduct myself as a musician in relation to how I get better, in relation to how do I want to, you know, relate to an audience, you know, and those things are being shown in a new light in that the audience is, is um you know, it's, it's not in person. The audience is, is being, you know, it has their relation to me over the internet. So it's making me think about that in a completely different way, what it means to connect to people and to share my music. Um, other than that, I, I think that one of my like mechanisms for dealing with the trauma is to just try to see the healing, see the process of healing as being more important than the trauma. And me, by, you know, by the process of healing, it's the process of seeing how we can actually become better in some way you know, become better musicians by the use of the time be, um, or better musicians by, you know, better people or individuals in general by being able to have that space to reflect, you know, 
I think without the the reflection on on what can come out of this in an optimistic fashion, you know, the trauma is just you know tragic, and I think that's a it's a shame to just come out of this with only tragedy. I think your music is uplifting inherently in its essence and the personality that you bring to it is is one that is optimistic so i can imagine that you even virtually resonating with your audience is a really extraordinary thing we know how many people will listen to your first album this newest album um online or on a streaming platform um have you had virtual concerts and where can folks check out your virtual concerts? Um, the closest protocol is Instagram and that, that's the, the medium that I'm most on and I, I give um, instructions as to how when to hear me play. Um, I've not done a lot of concerts. I did, um, I did a, a streaming video for Boiler Room quite early on in the lockdown. And then I did something for International Jazz Day in, relate, um, in association with the Blue Note in Tokyo. And those are the only two playing kind of live stream performances I did just because I find actually performing live streaming to be quite um, traumatic in itself. Um, and I do it and I do enjoy it, but it takes a lot of energy for me to actually give without receiving anything. Um, so when I've got these live concerts, I do prepare for them a lot and I try to just make them significant to myself in terms of how I'm negotiating my time and my pre preparation time within the lockdown. Um, what I do do a lot though is kind of document my, my general journey, my practice and my um, like method on Instagram. So every couple of days or you know, every half a week, I'll try to post videos to just show where I'm at, where my thinking is at and try to make those um, experiments or, you know, kind of things that I'm doing as, you know, as artistically wholesome as possible. So I've been looking into, you know, how to get the sound better and how to kind of get the visual aspect of it more to my liking. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Instagram so you, is you find it more challenging to have the kind of reciprocal catharsis of the listener and musician experience, the, the virtual piece of it disconnects you it, it makes it much more difficult i think yeah it does because you know when i'm performing it's not just a matter of me giving you know some kind of you know ordained message to the public it is a sharing experience you know from me to the to, to the musicians that i'm playing with to the audience we all give each other energy um, and that's something that I've actually been thinking more and more of as I play with myself, you know, every, every day. Um, the fact that the musicians that I play with give me the strength and support to, you know, to get that energy that I give every night or, you know, to, to audiences. And the audience gives us all the enthusiasm and the strength to play. Um, so once you take away two of the elements of that, you know, triangle of what the music gig is, which is, you know, myself, the collective of musicians and the audience, you know, it means that I've got to work, you know, doubly to get that, you know, to get that spirit in the music. And you're in London right now. Where are the other ancestors around the world as we self-isolate, quarantine, stay at home? So Ariel Zamonski, who's the bass player, he's in Argentina, I think. Um, he's based, you know, between Argentina and South Africa. And then everyone else from the band is in Johannesburg in South Africa. 
so it is, you know, across continents and, um, you know, one of the exciting things about your music is that, um, although much of it is instrumental, you can hear the language of the instruments conveyed in the beat um, and, and the rhythm um, every step of the way. And you find a way, Shabaka, and you and your colleagues to use words in titling your albums that are so appropriate for the moment. It's uncanny that you can take a vocabulary and apply it to this instrumental brilliance that you put on. Um, so in the album, um, which also has this, this traumatic, um, impactful resonance, we are sent here by history, uh, this, this kind of resonating in the crisis of, of the present moment that we have a certain responsibility uh, to our, our, our brother. Uh, we're friends on Facebook, and I notice in your, in your bio, uh, you talk about loving thy brother, um, being thy brother's keeper. And, and I wondered how you arrived at that title, because again, it, it seems so pitch perfect for this particular moment when we hope the world will, will form an alliance to overcome the pandemic. Hmm. Oh, thank you. That's very kind words. And um, we arrived at the title actually from a very, in a, really, in a really poetic way, actually. And, you know, it's the same procedure that way we arrived at the, you know, all the tune names. Um, basically, it starts with the liner notes for the first album, which was written by a great writer from South Africa, Linda Hule Nkosi. And in those liner notes for the first album, she writes about the burning of the Republic. Um, the Republic being, you know, a metaphorical Republic, however you want to interpret it. But she's talking about really dismantling the systems that um, create the idea of the Republic. And that could be the Republic of the mind, the Republic of the heart, as well as the political Republic that we subscribe to as members of society. So during the time that we were recording the second album, we were talking a lot about those liner notes and talking about how, you know, where South Africa is in the present. You know, it was in the midst of the Fees Must Fall um, movement in South Africa where a lot of students were protesting for a decolonial education and, and a way of having um, an education more accessible to those from lower socioeconomic kind of backgrounds. Um, we're talking a lot about the, the system of patriarchy. Um, Sia, the singer from the group, um, has a, a daughter, a young daughter. So we'll often talk about, you know, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a part of this system that sees women as um, fundamentally unequal and how we can, in whatever way, you know, we, we can do in our lives, how we can try to subvert that or or at least be more conscious of how we might be subconsciously manifesting those traits. Um, so within all these conversations around the, you know, just the actual recording session for this out for the second album, you know, we just came upon this phrase, you know, we are sent here from history. See, you know, I can't remember the exact course of the conversation, but it, it went around to just us saying that those combinations of words, you know, we are sent here by history. Um, everything that we see is a product of 
these building blocks that have resulted in you know what we see at the present um and as soon as we said that it was obvious that's the name of the album it sums up all the ideas and the ideals that we're kind of depicting you know in the time of that session so we recorded the session we went we i go back to england and start the process of mixing it and in mixing it i'm listening to sears um Sia being the singer his words um he wrote the poetry um for, not the poetry he wrote the song lyrics um in relation to linda hule's um liner notes from the first album and then i listened to i got the translation for his lyrics um and then tried to pick you know occasional lines from the songs and form poetry around them so my writing the poems and finding the album um song titles from the you know from the the poetry that was written around the lyrics was the kind of third step stage your titles of individual songs and the albums are indeed poetic and they are socially inspiring um wisdom of elders of course in 2016 most recently now we are sent here by history in between our discussions, you also were part of The Comet Is Coming, um, which uh, is another terrific album that Shabaka uh, contributed to. Um, the unified vision of your work over these last four or five years now, um, as you s interact with your audiences, uh, often not verbally, but in just seeing their body language. Have you seen, and, and it's hard for me to ask this because you haven't been able to go on tour in a traditional sense with this newest album, but you find your listeners um, are more engaging in wanting to seek out the significance and meaning of your music beyond the way it hears to them, the way they hear it at, in, you know, in the mode of a concert that they want to learn the, the origin stories um, and are curious about how kind of music and your music holistically can um, drive change, whether it's in South Africa or London or uh, your native Barbados or here in the United States. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the, the keys the key things that we, I tried to focus on in actually assembling my art as a general, you know, a, a general package, you know, as it were, is the fact that the audience is going to put together the pieces and the music, you know, the oral music is just a part of that. So, you know, with this album, you've got the, the, the kind of the album, the imagery, so the, 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 the album artwork, We've got the music, we've also got poems that accompany every song. And the idea behind that is that when you're listening to the music, you're in a space um, and you're allowed to consider whatever you want. You can just be listening to the music, but some people open themselves up to fresh ideas, um, fresh ways of seeing the world within that space, which I think is sacred while listening to music. Um, so, you know, I think the more we can actually guide our listeners through that, um, that, that musical space when you're taking on the music with a sense of reverence or with a sense of, of seriousness. Um, and I think it's a powerful thing that artists do have a, 
you know, a job to do when it comes to directing the, the, the listener in every aspect of the, you know, of the, of the artistic endeavor. Um, you know, it's something that I've been interested in for a very long time, the difference between a musician and an artist, you know, and I think that an artist is someone that considers the totality of what, of how they live um, to be the most important factor in, in their creative lives. Whereas a musician is someone who, you know, who plays music um, and who's a master craftsman at, at that. And I'm trying to be an, an artist more than a musician. Um, so everything is important for me. And I think that when the listen, when my kind of listeners and fans realize that, they, they realize that it's impossible to get into the, the works on one level, on just the oral level, that it's actually a, a part of a bigger whole. I love your first track in We Are Sent Here by History, They Who Must Die. Um, you know, in this day and age, the truncation of our intellect, uh, the reduction of our um, substance as a musical society, but as a civilization. And you come out powerfully with, with a really meaty track um, in depth, 10 plus minutes, uh, and it just starts off with a bang. Um, the other tracks that follow your poetic creed, you've been called, go my heart, go to heaven, behold the deceiver, run, the darkness will pass. Um, it, it just sets the stage beautifully. Um, was it intentional to start with that 10 minute, nine second track? Yeah, it definitely was. The, the album was recorded in two parts. Um, over a year. So we recorded the first one, um, the first session, what would be, I guess, two years ago um, in Cape Town. And we spent, you know, maybe like half a year mixing it back in London and, you know, recording an album's worth of material. So we were trying to, you know, have an album. I realized that actually we had enough material, but it just wasn't, um, it didn't have a kind of depth in terms of the arc of the album, the actual like kind of poetic structure of it. So then I wrote new tunes, which of which Day Who Must Die was one of them. And then we did a second session, which um, was about a year ago in Johannesburg. Um, and Day Who Must Die was actually the first tune that we recorded in that second session. And the version that you hear on the album is the first take of that, you know, first tune of the day. Um, and I wrote it specifically for that purpose to be the tune that starts the album, to be the tune that like really, you know, brings us out the block. Um, and that, that, you know, the lyrics that he, that Sia says on Day He Must Die, those are the ones that directly relate to the liner notes that were written um, in the first album. You know, he wrote the lyrics in response to that as a conversation. So this is actually the presentation of that idea of They Who Must Die, of the burning of the Republic, of the, the idea of the collapse and the rest of the album is actually what happens post the burning, what happens post the trauma, the traumatic experience. You know, how do we reconsolidate our energies and how do we reframe where we want to, you know, mentally um, position ourselves. Shabaka, do you see this as just something common or is it really miraculously serendipitous that the first track of this new album, as well as the title of the album, so perfectly aligned with our, our societal situation. Now, you could say that with respect to the trauma of a lot of social ills and evils out there, but, it, but it's just incredible. I mean, I remember 
as the, the pandemic news was escaping China, uh, seeing The Weeknd on SNL and his song, Scared to Live, I think it's Scared to Live Again, um, is also an extraordinary realization of, of, this, of this moment. But what do you make of the fact that, that you're, is it just sort of innately poetic and therefore in any given current event can be applied? Or did, did you find there to be with both this, this first opening track and the album as a whole, that this just had amazing resonance. They who must die. We are sent here by history. Uh, this is a once in a generation, once in a century moment we're living through. And then you look at what you've created and you say, "Wow, this this is pretty timely." Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Um, the only explanation, like I guess, I can give is the fact that what we're striving for as artists is to be able to be vehicles you know to be able to reflect something outside of our um like kind of individual experiences and i think the best art is actually created when we open ourselves up to depicting you know depicting myths depicting um alternate realities you know being as descriptive as we can for those and i think that's what we try to do in actually depicting this album and it just so happened that in actually just letting go and just letting a poetic gesture manifest itself. It did line up with reality. Um, I think anything else that I tried to, you know, attribute to, to the actual um, symbolism of the album being aligned with the times would be me taking on an individual level more credit than I think it's worth. I think that, you know, the, the main significance is the fact that, you know, there was a sense of openness in terms of what we're going through in the present and what we were talking about as a band um, in terms of how we're seeing, you know, what's around us in a, in a South African context, it was when we were recording. Um, and I guess, you know, uh, maybe an acknowledgement of the past, a real kind of depth of probing the past, plus a, a kind of a, a very in-depth seeing of the present equals the future, you know? Well said, my friend, and, and I'm sorry we can't have our banter in person because I do really, I did feel when we recorded on the television program in our studio that we had uh, that tremendous link in feeling the authenticity of that, that uh, stationary connection as two yeah. human beings across the table in the same way when you're performing, it's you and your colleagues across from a whole plethora of humanity. But, but just to close here, Shabaka, uh, two questions. The, the first is, um, do you think that this moment historically, uh, as a worldly intellectual observer, uh, someone who's interacted with culture transcontinentally, do you think that, that finally we've reached a moment historically where all that is embodied in the artistic endeavor to try to radicalize, to, and, and by that I, I mean it in the best sense, so radicalize society to improve the condition um, for our brothers and sisters, uh, our, you know, to make our brothers and sisters keeper a reality in the way we live. Do you see this pandemic as something that can be resolved that way? So 
that you know ultimately um, there there is the silver lining of a a, um, a greater equity and respect and uh, civil society uh, because you know the there, there can be these cataclysmic events and they can go in either direction. They can go further down the dystopian road uh, or they can potentially enliven our, our, our spirits to, to, uh, to find um, juster days ahead. And, and I'm wondering if, if you see that as a potential result of this pandemic. Um, I think the results aren't mutually exclusive. So it's possible to have both um both scenarios play themselves out simultaneously and each scenario um each scenario achieves you know greater or lesser depth um and resonance depending on what our mental outlook is our mental like strength is you know i'm a great believer that you know we we do exist within um different realities within different levels of perception you know, depending on where we decide to place our gaze societally or historically. Um, so the, the challenge is actually trying to perceive the ways in which the world is um, becoming a more just or a more communal place, you know, within this crisis. Or, and if, you know, there is an obvious lack trying to perceive the ways in which we can individually or societally um, create what we, what we try to vision. Um, but there is, you know, there is always the, the fear of giving up hope and only seeing the, the dark possibilities and those possibilities won't go away. You know, I think that the, you know, the dystopian future is going to unravel because it is a, it's a potentiality and all potentialities tend to unravel, you know, in the well, world. Well, that, Chewbacca, that's, that's not exactly the most sanguine of answers, but it, it probably is the most realistic and even handed and, you know, explores the paradox. This is the rapid fire conclusion question. When you do get out of your quarantine and it is safe to perform, where are you going to be first? Where do you most want to perform? Uh, when, <laughs> when we get the green light that society can come back in its, in its more normal fashion. Um, the mo what I'm really looking forward to performing is a really small, unmiked venue in London you know, where there are not a lot of people and I can play with musicians without, with only myself on our instruments. You know, I want to have that. And you can be six feet apart so that we can, we can avert more health risk. That's yeah, exactly. The smaller the crowd, the better. I'm yeah. really looking forward to those really intimate yeah, well, uh, performances. I was so fortunate to meet you and, and see you in Saratoga, Saratoga Springs, New York. Um, and ever since then have a dialogue with you. Shabaka Hutchings, it's such a pleasure to reconnect. Yeah, thank you. It's great to talk to you.